Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith and I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Our message series, uh, you know, we're talking about mental health and it's an inside job is the title because the Holy Spirit dwells not on the outside but on the inside of us and one of the hardest things in life and one of our biggest obstacles in in life is really do do we feel we're loved? Uh, And it's hard just to make that up and just believe a random idea that we're loved if we never experienced that love or never seen any testament of that love. And and that's the power of the cross. And when Jesus died, he reached into the very deepest part of our soul and our heart. And he, he said, you're loved. And you see, if we can really begin to grasp that, then it changed the whole course of your life. And I actually heard this during the week, um, a statement, and I just thought it was absolutely brilliant because it's very simple language. It says, what you seek most, or what you seek will organize the rest of your life. So what you seek first will organize the rest of your life. We've heard some, some of us have heard scriptures, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things shall be added. What you seek first will organize the rest of your life. And the problem is if we don't seek God first and, and the price, the free gift of, of salvation, if we don't deal with that debt, then what often happens is we can spend our whole life doing some good stuff, being busy, maybe have a good job, a nice family, but, but we never dealt with the core need in our heart. And so therefore we can spend our whole life doing stuff and making no eternal impact and never really understanding who we are. And, and, and so what do you, you mean? Well, well, it's a bit like this. If you had a debt, right, and, and a certain bank up the town, Ulster Bank, I don't know, uh, a bank up the town, and, and you, you know that you owe them a, a thousand, ten thousand pound, whatever it is, and you've seen the bank manager who dealt with you across the street, <laughs> what, what way are you going to feel when you see him? You might walk past him and just look down awkwardly at, you know, some of you have done this to, to some people that you maybe aren't too hot about, uh, and you've just kind of looked at the street all of a you know, the pavement all of a sudden gets really interesting. Oh, look at that, that's all. Or all of a sudden you get all these texts just come in randomly just as they're coming past you. Oh, my word. Um, or maybe you're on the phone and you're just so, or maybe you cross the street. Why? Because there's a debt because there's a a separation, there's a reason for you to want to hide, ignore, and not even think about such things, right? Well, well, the problem is you can ignore that debt as much as you like, but the debt is still there. You can ignore it your whole life, the debt is still there. You can be busy doing all the stuff, the debt is still there, you still owe the debt. And so when you clear the debt, what what it allows you to do is walk down the street burden-free, walk down the street not worried, fearful of who's going to be there, if you're going to get caught. You get to live your life with freedom. That's what Jesus died for, just to pay the price. That's sin and shame. Listen, there's not one perfect person in this world, on this planet, in this room, on this stage. Not one perfect person. That means they got debt. We all have it. But all we're saying when we preach the gospel is that we just believe, Jesus has took my debt, I'm free. I can walk on any side of the street. I can talk to anyone. Don't matter what, doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. I can talk to you because my debt, I'm, I'm freed. And it also means you don't have to go take jobs to try and pay the debt or make it look like you've paid it. 
or, or, or you don't have to post pictures to make it look like your life's all perfect because you're trying to impress people to deal with really a debt that's at the ground level. You don't have to go around life trying to impress people with the car, the job, the money you have, because if you're already, well, why are you really doing that in the first place? Really, when we dig deep enough, it's because you want to feel loved. If I could just, you know, if I, if I could just perform well enough, then I wonder if I, I get more likes. Well, what are you really saying about more likes? You're really saying is I want to be loved. You don't feel fully satisfied. And, and listen, this, we, can, we need reminded of God's love time and time again. We need to keep fixing our eyes on Jesus because we forget and we go off and do our own thing. And really, we're trying to find love. But as that song said, he's paid the price. You're loved. Just need to keep remembering it and keep fixing your eyes on that. So that's just a a little side note. I just felt that was on my heart. So tonight we're talking about dealing with anxiety. Um, And yet again, why talk about mental health in church? Is this a spiritual deal? Well, let, let me put it this way. Listen, Jesus came to die so that we can live eternally. And eternity starts now on the earth. He came that we would be his workmanship, that we would be his hands and his feet. He wants us to have a purpose while we're on the earth. And the problem is, while we're on the earth, we have obstacles. And and often that obstacle looks like something called fear. (coughs) Opportunities are at the other side of the obstacles. But when we we have fear, which is often something that appears on a daily basis, it stops us from moving forward. And so that looks like things like anxiety. Uh, it looks like uh, it could be social anxiety. It could be just anxiety about a certain situation. And I, w- I want to really deal with that tonight because, listen, God, God doesn't want you to have obstacles. He, he wants you to fulfill your purpose. He wants you to live it out to all its fullness. But, but, but if, if, if you keep getting these obstacles of fear or whatever it is, it stops you. It stops you from going to places. It stops you from talking to people. It stops you from dreaming dreams. It holds you halt and hostage in a prison. And that's not, God wants you to live life on purpose, with purpose. God wants uh, uh, wants you to see signs and wonders, but but it'll only follow someone who's free. It'll it'll only follow someone who's walking the path that God has for them. And so I want to dig in. To some of this, and I just want to really qualify this again, clinical and situational. Um, clinical, I, I repeat this every week because I think it's important to qualify when we're talking about mental health and depression and, and, and even suicidal thoughts and all those kind of things. We've got to be careful and, and, and not dishonor some people who went through some hard times. And so, for instance, physically, if we're talking about physical uh, health, physically, I've got a bad hip. Okay, it's just my, it's just a few years, too many. And the, the, the cartilage, just playing sports and football and different things, the cartilage is worn away. So that's a clinical, it, it's a f- physical condition, but it's clinical. It's, it's, I, I can't really, you know, there's no exercises that I can really do to bring the cartilage back, put it that way. But, but it doesn't mean I can't do something to look after my physical health. I can still limp to the gym. I can still walk. I can still do different things. Um, uh, and so in the same way with our mental health, the same applies. There's some clinical things some of you might have for different reasons. Life's not perfect. Our bodies aren't perfect. There's some things you need help with. That's fine. Um, but we're talking about the situational stuff, the stuff that you can change, the stuff that you can take hold of, the stuff that you, you can change your belief around, okay? Um, and so it says in Genesis that sin desires to have us, to control us. 
But, but the Bible says we must master it, or that means we must take control of it. We must overcome, conquer it. So it actually, it basically means that you can. It's an option, okay? It's absolutely an option. So let's, let's just recap over some of the things we've done because the last few weeks, if you haven't heard some of the messages, it's important that you go and listen because we've been, we've been building a foundation the same way in a house. You build a foundation first and then you build the brickwork on top of that and then you fill the inside. And so we've been kind of doing that the last three weeks and we're gonna build on that. So the first week we kind of learned that uh, beliefs drive thoughts and thoughts create emotion. Some of us have believed lies that, that emotions are just happening to us. You've just believed that these things, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just a case of luck if you feel good today or bad. But, but we, we, looked at the, we looked at the three situations, didn't we? We looked at the, the person that walks to work, said the situation it was raining. There's someone that walks to work and they're devastated. It's going to be the worst day ever. We looked at the farmer who's had a drought, the same rain, but as soon as the rain came, He's absolutely buzzing in the same country, different situation. And then the last person who's just a workaholic and they don't even think about outside because they're so focused on their work. They're fixing their focus. And so that shows us that actually what we look at or how we, we discern things affects how we feel. Or, or we talked about dreams and how some of us, last, last night you maybe dreamed and you woke up today and, and you thought you were an Olympic champion because in your dream you had beat Usain Bolt by a split second and you, are, you woke up as the world champion, you were full of joy and happiness and then bang, you woke up and you were back to reality. Did anyone? Was that just me last night? Um, it was devastating to find out that I, I didn't win. But, but what, what am I trying to say is you had a whole bunch of emotions but it wasn't real. But you believed it so, so you, you experienced the emotion. Okay, so we're, I'm, I'm just trying to recap a little bit for those of, that weren't here. Um, then the next thing we looked at, that, that uh, a mountain versus a molehill. So some of us, the, the problem that we're finding is we see uh, maybe a small molehill, but we experience a mountain. So we come into a situation, it could even be something like coming to church in the hallway, and, and it, you, know, you know probably in your head it's not that it shouldn't be this reaction, but I keep getting this feeling so there's something, there's some kind of fear in operation because it's making you feel awful anxious and scared and, and, and you, some, some of you don't even know why. Um, mountain and a molehill, that's often when people, uh, are, if, you're, if you're maybe descriptive and you like to tell stories, sometimes that can work against you. Often people who experience anxiety, it's because they're too good at telling stories. Every person here, you're a creative, thought-telling genius. That's where your dreams come from. That's where anxiety comes from, but you can use it for good or bad. And if you think about what's anxiety, oh my word, I came into church and everyone was looking at me and their eyes were coming out of their mouths and their pupils were all, they were so laser focused on every step I was making and I think everyone was talking about me. What? What? You're being so creative, but it's working against you and, and, and it's, it's affecting you in such a way it's, that you're creating this awful feeling of anxiety because you believe that everyone's looking at you and talking about you behind your back, so of course, and it's all negative, so of course, you want to feel down and you're rehearsing it and you're going over it in your head time and time again. And then the last thing we looked at was flaw, the flower aperture slide. And we looked at how it's so important when you put a lens on a camera that to get a nice picture, you, f you adjust the aperture and fix your focus. 
That's why we, 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 we see in the Bible, it says you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. Stop looking back to all the mess of your past. Stop looking back to all your mistakes. You've got to fix your eyes on who is perfect, who is paid for everything, past, present, and future. You've got to start fixing your eyes on freedom. Because if you don't, you're going to get caught in the past. You're going to keep reminding yourself of all the mistakes, all the things you've done wrong. Listen, God can use every mistake for your good. I promise you. That's what the Bible says. No matter how bad you think you are, you're not bad enough for God's grace. And so we looked at the flower, and you can see here, uh, the focus is fixed, and the background is blurred. And so you can use that for good or bad. You can focus on all your mistakes and blur out all the good, or you can focus on all the good and blur out all of your mistakes and move forward. Grace should always move you forward. It's not that you don't learn. It's not that you don't look at the mistakes and say, right, I need to get this right, so don't repeat it. It's just that, hey, this, this foundation, fix our focus, encourage yourself in the Lord, and, uh, and look at what's right foundationally before we start taking in any critiquing thoughts. Uh, another few points I just want to add in. I've seen this during the week. Insecurity is wrong security exposed. Bill Johnson said that. I thought that was a good, uh, a good point. Insecurity is wrong security just exposed. You're putting your, what's, what does that mean? You're putting your trust in the wrong thing, basically. You're trying, to, you're trying to find security in something that's just not secure. So you feel insecure. Uh, another uh, slide there. Your life, always, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So if you're full of fear, anxiety, well, that's the direction that your life is moving. And so it's so important if those thoughts are not healthy they're f and they're full of fear and they're stopping you, then we've got to deal with that. We've got to fix that. We've got to fix our focus. What are you believing that's wrong? Listen, some people might go to church for a while and then all of a sudden say something like, I'm not feeling it anymore. Well, you know what's actually happened? Your emotions aren't full of the joy of the Lord. They're not full of uh, love, joy, peace any longer, and goodness, and kindness, and gentleness, and sometimes you're not as a ni nicer person to be around. I know I'm not, but what's happened is I forgot who I am. I I've stopped believing and trusting in Jesus, and I'm starting to live on my own strength again, and so I've got to readjust. I've got to readjust my beliefs again so I can start to produce love, joy, and peace, and, and, and actually want to do it, not have to. Um, and so fear is a core problem to anxiety, so fear is mentioned 500 times within the Bible. 500 plus times, sorry. Fear not. So, so when God has said fear not in a situation is mentioned 365 times, that's one for every day. So that means every day you're probably guaranteed that there's an opportunity that God has for you, but there's also an obstacle right in its path. And so in order for you to grow and to move forward, you've got to find some way past the obstacle of fear. And so I want to ask a question. Some of us are in a toxic relationship with fear. And I think it's time that you break up. I'm sorry I got to deliver the hard news. It's kind of awkward for me to tell you. You're having a heart-to-heart -heart right now. You've got to break up, you know, kind of got to how we sit, sit at the table right now and tell you it's time to break up. I'm sorry. <laughs> got to break up. It's emotional, I know it's going to be hard to let go of fear, but, but I think it's time to 
to break up. Some of you are getting bad memories right now. You're like, oh, stop saying that word. It's time to break up with fear. Listen, and, and let me qualify fear. fear. Fear and anxiety, all those things have a purpose. But they have a purpose when you're in a life-threatening position. Fear of crossing the road when it's busy and, and closing your eyes while doing, doing so is a very healthy fear. The fear of the Lord is a healthy fear, but it's the fear of God not going with you. It's the fear of doing it alone. It's the fear of being outside of his protection. But if, when fear starts to become destructive in your life and starts to convince you of things which are not true, that's toxic fear. That's fear that's got to go. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's got to go. <laughs> it's got to go. So let's straight into the scriptures here. In Philippians 4, verses 4 to 9, we're, we kind of looked at the latter side of this verse. I want to pick up at the start of it. Um, and it says here, rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Rejo so something to do with rejoicing is foundational to, to our relationship with God and also dealing with anxiety. Why? What's rejoicing about? Well, we come in here, and some of you might have noticed that we, we, we rejoice. We sing songs. Some of you might think it's like karaoke. It's like, this is the, what is this place? Like, they go and sing karaoke. Uh, well, we, we, we're actually rejoicing. We're, we're fixing our focus not on all of the bad things that we have done throughout the week, all of the mistakes we've done. We're actually fixing our focus. God, I thank you that you love me. God, I thank you that you're worthy. I'm fixing my focus. I'm rejoicing. And see what happens when you rejoice. My beliefs began to realign. Oh, my beliefs began to realign. And then my thoughts begin to change. And I start to let go of all of the, the, the hardships and the weight of the week. And then I start to feel peace. And I start to feel joy. And I, 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 I start to feel strength again. Why? Because you've just changed, you've realigned your beliefs. Yes, God is worthy. Yes, he is the only perfect uh, creator of the heavens and the earth. Yes, Jesus did die for me. Oh my word, I'm free. I was walking all week around as, trying to avoid situations, people, avoid thoughts because I, I was starting to believe that I wasn't worthy again and the debt hadn't been paid, but I had to remind myself to fix my eyes on Jesus. Rejoice. Actually, before going any further, I just want to, I'll, I'll, read, I'll read through this real quick and I want to just do, talk about a definition of anxiety, but let's go ahead through this quickly. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about what? Anything, what, what does anything, what do you think anything means in the Greek? Take a guess. It's really complex. In the original context, guess what it means? Anything. Oh my goodness. So that means like anything? Yeah. Anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ. And it goes on to say, finally, uh, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, fix your focus. Whatever is right, fix your focus. Whatever is pure, fix your focus. Whatever is lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, fix your focus. Think about such things 
whatever you have learned or received or heard of me or seen in me, put into practice. This is all a waste of time. If none of this is put into practice, it's in one ear and out the other. This cannot work unless you put it into practice. It, it, it just, you can't get fit unless you go exercise and put it into practice. This doesn't work unless you put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So let's look at the, the definition of anxiety. It's not on the screen. So this is what I looked up, and this is what it says in Google. And obviously everything on Google is true, right? Um, <laughs> anxiousness, to be troubled with cares, trying to, trying to control external outcomes. So, so you're troubled with cares, the cares of, of, of life, just general cares. And, and you're, there's external things that, that work and what are they going to say to me and how are they going to react? Am I going to have enough money by this time next week? Am I going to be okay by next year? Am I going to get in the course? Uh, school, uh, what are people going to do? External things. What, what, I, I want to control it, but, but the Bible actually says to cast your care, to, to let go of it and give it away. It's not yours to carry. We were never supposed to try and control everything outside of ourselves. But you were designed to take control of your mind and your heart. To care for, blow up the balloon of emotion, look out for a thing. So you're always looking out to, to, to get somewhere or do something. To seek to promote one's interest. Caring or providing for. So when you're trying to seek to promote your interest, often if you don't have a healthy foundation, you're trying to promote your interest to feel loved, for people to follow you, for people to like you, to be impressed in your friendship circle, and your friendship groups. Who's got what car? I want to get a car as good as theirs. You're trying to promote your interests. And this is where anxiety begins. It, it, it's foundational. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you going where you're going? Why are you spending all of that money and resource in that place? What is the true deep reason to why you're doing it? And if you dig deep enough, it's usually something to do with pleasing people or, or trying to make yourself feel worthy of love. I would say that's about it. And, and so let's look at this scripture and see uh, what the Bible says uh, and we'll break it down. So the first thing was rejoice always. I've kind of went over that uh, we, we fix our eyes on Jesus. He's dealt with our shame and our guilt too. The Lord is near. You know, I, was, uh, I just moved in. The Lord is near. There should be a, a slide there. Keep going. There we go. I'm going to put our hands together for our, our sound, lighting, and media team at the back. <laughs> Got to embarrass them every so often. The Lord is near. I moved into a house by myself about five years ago now, and you know, I'd never really been in a house by myself before. Been in a student house, all the kids, there was always somebody there, but all of a sudden at nighttime I was lying in bed and I heard a few creaks. <laughs> you know, it's creaks. Could be anything. Could be a rat. I mean, a spider making a creak. You know, that's what they did. They're so heavy they could do that, right? Could have been uh, a burglar. And so I'm sitting in bed and I'm just lying there and I heard a creak. <laughs> and all of a sudden my mind starts to go over time. I start to believe it's a creak and the creak could have came from any of those things. And so because there's a creak, I start to think about all the different scenarios. It could be a burglar climbing in the roof. He's drilled a hole. He's coming through the attic. 
he's going to land right on top of me, a creek. How creative was that? That's a, I'm ready to produce a film. See, I'm a creator. My fear has the amazing ability to create all kinds of crazy stories. And some of you are scared of, of spiders. You know how heavy a spider is? Like, honestly, reality, what do you think the spider's going to do? These are non-venomous spiders. In the history of man, these spiders have never killed anyone or damaged them or hurt them. But people will literally react to a spider as if as if it's an elephant or, or, or it's, a, it's a lion or I, I don't know do you see what, why because you believe for some reason you believe the spider could absolutely destroy you cut you up ch- and bury you but who told you you created that idea it's not real there's no evidence it's never been seen and, and so what, what I find was I, you know, I got a few instruments called baseball bats and set them in different locations in the house, just in case. But what I found was when I'm alone, it felt worse. When I, when I felt alone, I felt more vulnerable. When I felt alone, listen, the, the, fir- the second part of that scripture says, the Lord is near. The young lad um, who gave his life to Christ yesterday, and he was telling me ab- about the symptoms uh, you know, of these thoughts that were just going crazy in his mind. He didn't know why, but he just felt under the weather. He, felt there was suicide. he was fighting these suicidal thoughts off. And he says, Phil, one of the hardest things was basically, I, I just felt I was alone. God is near. You're not alone. You didn't just arrive on this earth by accident. You didn't, it didn't just randomly happen. Nothing on this earth randomly happens. This building didn't randomly happen. Your body just didn't randomly firm. A form, firm, form. <laughs> You're just going to let me get away with that. Just move on. He doesn't know what he can't, needs, needs to go to elocution lessons. Three, choose not to be anxious. And the scripture says, choose not to be anxious. Well, that seems too simple. How can you just choose? Well, maybe that's a clue to the answer. Maybe it is a choice. Maybe it's a choice to what you believe. Well, well, what do you mean? Well, I told a few stories about how when I went into plane, when I went into a plane, and as I got older, I started to get anxious in situations I was completely fine with for years. And I'm like, I'm not okay with living like this. It's going to affect my purpose. It's an obstacle to what I believe God's called me to, and I know I'm going to need access to planes at some point. Um, and I just, I, that's why I kind of went to learn some of this stuff, because I'm like, I'm not okay with this, I'm going to fight it. And, uh, but I just felt this anxiety getting worse and worse, and, and I, I kind of started to apply some of this stuff, and I was like, right, I'm going to start to rehearse. Uh, instead of um, just letting the anxiety take rule and reign in my life, instead of just letting it happen, I'm going to actually believe that I can change it. And I'm going to actually rehearse in my head instead of seeing myself in the plane freaking out and all kinds of random situations that have never happened and just seeing utter chaos and making up all kinds of weird stories. I'm going to actually sit and actually in faith, I'm going to believe that it's going to be fine. I'll just see myself sitting relaxed. I'm going to see myself sitting, reading a book, listening to music, having a good time. It took faith. I hadn't seen it yet, but I'm going to believe the best. And what happened was I ended up entering into the plane with less anxiety. I experienced less anxiety. And at the end, uh, we'll talk about this in in just a minute. 
in the end, uh, my anxiety came down and, uh, and, and reduced itself to a very low, culpable level to the point where I didn't experience relief getting off the plane. I was actually content. And so I think the most important thing in this is that we know and we have the tools to control it. Because sometimes the thing that scares you the most is the fear of not having control of your mind. As if everything's happening to you and you've not, nothing you can do about it. If some of these depressing thoughts or things come upon you that you have no control, it's just luck of the draw. I, I, you know, I'm, but, but actually, you've got a lot of control. You've, there's a, we talked about sense of control last week. You've, 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 you can do something about it. And, and I experienced that when I was on the plane, but I'll talk about that in just a minute. And then the fourth thing, it says prayer and petition. It says, talk to God and, and give external situations to God, to God. So basically, it's time to give up control of the things you can't control. And focus on, on controlling what you can. It's an inside job. You can't control people. You can't control people's opinions, whether you like it or not. And listen, we've got to have realistic expectations. Can I, can I let you in on a secret? Not everybody likes you. Welcome to Aria Church. <laughs> We like to tell you the truth because the truth will set you free. So stop living for the approval of man. Not everyone will ever, no matter how hard you try, they won't like you anyhow. And listen, there's some people you don't like too. So let's not get precious about it. Personalities clash. People just don't like how you walk for no given reason. But there's a lot of people that do like you. And so you find your people and you find your circle and you find some people to do life with because they're out there. You pray to God and ask. And so, and so, so important that as we pray, and so, 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 so as we pray, we believe God for a real situation to intervene in our life. Uh, the actual prayer and petition, the petition part actually means to humbly and meekly request. So there's a verse that I love. It says, humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand and he may, that he may lift you up in due time. See, see, it's coming with prayer, with a posture of God. Listen, I can't control this situation. I can control those people. But, but, but I'm going to give those, those situations to you. And I, I'm going to trust you to work things out for my best. <sighs> Breathe. Thank goodness I was trying so hard to please those people. Thank goodness I was trying to put the best posts up and they're still not liking them. Can you believe it? Like you spent all that time designing that, that little post and they're still not liking it? What's wrong with them? If you're in that mindset, of course you're going to feel rejected because your expectations are not realistic. And, and you're, just, you're going down the wrong path in the first place. Five, with Thanksgiving, did you know that neuroscientists, neuroscientists have done research and, and they've realized that, that thankfulness reduces anxiety. <laughs> you put on a filter of thankfulness it actually begins to release happy hormones. Gratitude changes how we see. The Bible actually says that the will of God is that you're thankful. Instead of starting the day beating yourself up about what's not right and I don't care and this, you're going with your feelings and you might feel good at the start of a day, but it doesn't have to stay that way. I guarantee if you wake up just feeling, ugh. The Bible says you can encourage yourself in the Lord. Start believing, God, I thank you for family, or for the friends that I do have, or the family that I do have, I thank you for the job, or, or, or whatever you have, just find something. 
If it's one flower in a desert, find it and just focus on it and thank God for it until the next one comes. And be faithful with what's in your hand. Thankfulness is so important that just in your aperture, thinking about what is right. And then six, put it into practice. Believe it, think it, and then you'll feel it. Believe it, think it. Some of you don't believe me, try it. Put it into practice. Put it into practice. So, so next slide. So, so here we have reality, or the spider. Okay? No harm. It's not going to hurt you. And this is what some of us experience with our phobias, fears, whatever it is. But in the middle here is our beliefs and our thinking styles. So because the lens that you have on of belief and the thinking styles, which maybe are unhealthy, like, like I was just saying, they're unrealistic expectations, expecting everyone to love you. Because of those things, you end up experiencing this kind of feeling when it's just a pup. Anybody want to take that pup home? It's out the back. Just, no. And so I, I want to walk you through this in a really practical way and we'll, we'll be done. So next slide. So, so there's going to be a beforeing, during, after in every event, every scenario, that you, situation that you, you, you bring yourself up against in life. The same way I did with, with, with the plane. And so b- before what can often happen is there's an anticipation. You're anticipating the event and so that gives you room to either think well of it or, or think not so well. That gives you room to, to, in faith, believe it's going to go bad or believe it's going to go worse. So, for instance, if I asked, I remember always uh, Ian and Johnny, sometimes I put them on the spot. And I'm like, hey, Johnny, you couldn't just say something there, could you? Right now? No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> exactly, it was rising quick there. But, but sometimes I, I, I'll, I'll, I'm not maybe always organized and I'll tell people to do things on the spot. And so... Um, <laughs> and, and so what can happen is if, if, sometimes if you have time to think you can start to think oh my word I've got to get on stage <sighs> just, oh my goodness I'm going to fix my focus on this step it's massive I don't know if I can get up that step it's so big look at that corner what if I caught my leg on the corner I mightn't go to work on Monday I have no more money I'm going to have to sell my car I'm going to have to give it all up and, and then people are going to stop hanging out with me because I've no car to get to hang out and they're not going to want to come. Oh my word. Before I've even got on the stage, I've mapped out my whole life. It's all a mess. Anticipating the worst. I've just in faith prophesied failure. Prophesied brokenness. Prophesied destruction over my life and just a simple situation. And listen, you know what probably happens once I start to believe that stuff? Guess what's probably going to happen? I'm going to be so focused and. I'm going to trip and I'm going to fall and, and, and then all of a sudden during that event my anxiety goes sky high. It was only a two or one or a two but then because I experienced something oh my goodness it happened. I can't believe this and then afterwards if we don't if we don't do a good job of recapping and, and looking at the full picture and we go through the wrong lenses we actually end up for the next time if we flick to the next slide the next time we come back to the same situation, we're starting at a five. So our anxiety started at a two. The first time something happened, we were invited to do something. But now the second time, I'm starting at a five. It's a nightmare. And another two, and I'm a seven out of ten. And it's just all hell is breaking loose in my life. I'm, I'm actually freaking out. I'm, I'm being 
I'm, I'm saying all kinds of crazy, your language might change at this point, by the way, too. <laughs> it might not all be, you know, kosher and nice, wholesome talk, if you, if you know what I mean. And so all of a sudden, the next time you're up and you're just, it's just absolute downright chaos. And yet again, the before, during, the after, they all matter. And so how do we deal with that? How do we bring it back down? Let's, let's go to the next slide. So anticipatory anxiety is the anxiety you get before an event or, or whatever it is that's, that's got you full of fear, phobias. And the first thing you've got to understand that you've got control of your mind. You, you were supposed to have dominion over it. And so you've got a choice to make. Am I going to fix my focus? Am I going to rehearse with faith that it's going to go right or go wrong? Oh, well, is that, that sounds a wee bit too, you know, is that psychology? Well, tell me this, if, if you were getting heart surgery and the, the surgeon said, hang on, I'll just rehearse and just recap over what I'm about to do in your heart, one wrong move could sink you, it's all over. Would you say, no, don't worry about rehearsing, or, or just go with the flow, don't even, don't even rehearse, don't just go with it. No, I think you'd be saying, yeah, please do that time and time again. You better make sure you know everything you're about to do when you get into the room so that you're not guessing. It's just a case of get the job done. In the same way, when I come to prepare for a message, I rehearse and recap, and the better that I rehearse, and I don't see myself up here freaking out. I, ha- I see myself, I'm more focused on how am I getting the message across. Whereas if, if I let anxiety take control and I start to focus on the wrong things, I take my focus off actually being effective and getting the message across and put my focus and waste all of this energy and time thinking about things that a lot of the time aren't even real. So I begin to say, I see myself, right, I'm going to do this to help, and I'm going to, I'm going to say it this way, I'm going to use this prop, and I'm going to rehearse it working out. And listen, if something goes wrong, and my expectation is imperfection. I made a mistake. What if Dylan makes a mistake in the keys? Oh, just learn. It's okay. I'm not going to put it. Not that Dill never does. Uh, but, but if you put unrealistic expectation and you've got an unhealthy thinking style example, we'll talk about this next week, an unhealthy thinking style is perfectionism. A, perfection, a per- perfection, fe- perfectionist. Good job, I'm not a perfectionist. A perfectionist always fails. They might get 99% feel. And so, and so we rehearse, we run through, and then we reevaluate. We'll, we'll um, go back to that one, sorry. So, so listen, we ran through something. Say we, I've, tonight I, I say, right, about 70, 80%. That was pretty good, Phil. Um, it was okay. And I start to look at, okay, you've you done this example well. You didn't do this so well, done this. But I look at through a healthy lens, healthy filter, so I'm not going off afraid the next time I come back. If I don't and I reevaluate wrongly and I start focusing, oh, you messed that up. I wonder what people are thinking. Oh, my goodness, I wonder if people are going to come back next week. Oh. You know what happens? I enter next week with that kind of anxiety on my chest. It's distracting me, it's stealing from me, and it's stealing from you. And so I need to reevaluate through a healthy lens. I'm loved, I'm accepted, I'm allowed to make mistakes and learn. Hey, Phil, well done. You've done a great job in, in, in researching some of that information. Well done, Phil. Well done. Well, well, why do you have to say it? Well, you're probably saying the opposite if you don't. <laughs> Especially if you've got anxiety in that area. You're probably beating yourself up. And you're focusing subconsciously. 
Because some of us have already believed this and it's been in our, in, our, in, in our patterns, unhealthy patterns for years. So some of you don't even know why you feel what you feel, but if you, you start to become aware of what you're thinking, you're like, why am I thinking that way? You, you'll start to realize that your thoughts and your feelings are coming from somewhere. And so you've got, we've got to learn to reevaluate in a healthy way. Support yourself. Be your biggest fan. God already is. Deal with Jesus and the cross, and then you've got to come into agreeing, agreement with him. You've got to become your biggest fan. Encourage yourself in the Lord. And then what will begin to happen, we'll, just, we'll go through the next one. Fast forward two, yep. Then what will happen is, yes, you come into a situation at two. I've been asked to speak. I'm going to prepare, do everything I can within my natural ability to prepare well. And I'm going to get into the situation. My anxiety probably will heighten a little bit, and that's okay. I'm not expecting it just to be perfect, especially if it's my first time. And I might make a few mistakes, and, and that's okay, because I'm not thinking through the lens of a perfectionist, okay? I, 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 and, and then I'm just going to come back down and say, great job for, for, for a first time. Well done for even getting on the stage. God, God lo- loves you whether you are on or not. Okay, that's my foundation. God loves you whether you've done a good job or not. Foundation. But you've put yourself out there. You've been vulnerable in that situation. Well done. First step. Fix your focus on what is good. And you, okay, well done. Um, you actually spoke. <laughs> Even, listen, so, so, some of you might think, I'm not going to just say something small. Well, why not? Because sometimes it's the small things that create the anxiety. The Bible says that a mustard seed of faith can move a mountain. It's also true for fear. You can have faith in God, but also you can have fear in man. And so it can also it can move a mountain too, but the wrong kind. And so, so start supporting yourself. Like, well done. Well done for even getting up there. Well done um, for, for, for piecing a few things together. You've done that well. And then once you've done that, uh, then, then maybe you can start to say, right, I, c- I can do that better. I'm going to win or I'll learn. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at oriatchurch.org and give now. And we will see you next time on the Aria Church Podcast.